0: you're listening to the city church downtown podcast now here's doug Robbins. well good to be with you guys today uh what do you say we pray before we look into the scriptures together and so let's bow our heads and close our eyes if you're comfortable to do so just put your hand out in a position position to receive from the holy spirit today Uh, father as we bow before you uh, we don't want to just check off our church box this week but we want to connect with you and i pray particularly for those that are spiritual investigators that are trying to figure out if you're even out there. I pray that you reveal yourself to them in a special way and to the rest of us. We just want to grow in a deeper connection with you and grow in the ways that we can impact the world for your kingdom's sake. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, I brought a picture today of a childhood friend of mine. This is Tim Presson, and that was at my wedding. Uh, I could grow a beard back then. I just chose not to, but uh, that was at my wedding. And Tim and I grew up together. We played sports together. We went to school together and hung out together. And one night when we were in high school, um, we, he, Tim had a Jeep. We went out in his Jeep, took the top off, and we had commandeered a fire extinguisher from our school. And we wanted to use said fire extinguisher to cool people off on a hot summer night uh, as we were driving around. So he was the designated driver I was the designated extinguisher, so I was in the back with a fire extinguisher, and we would drive by people, and we would squirt them with the fire extinguisher. We would all laugh, and they wouldn't always laugh. But uh, we 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 pulled in front of this one jogger, and he was jogging along, and you know, getting his exercise one evening. And I just in the back, and I was like I just squirted him down really good, and I thought I was cooling him off. Really, he seemed to be heating up. And he gave me a vocabulary lesson that I'll never forget. Um, but we kept driving that night. And all of a sudden we find ourselves surrounded by police. And they were like, uh, police all around us in this convenience store parking lot. And then that jogger drives up and he was hot. And what I didn't realize when I squirted him was that was the chief of police in the city where I grew up. And he he recognized me, he's like, that was the one that squirted me, the kid with the eyebrows there, the big eyebrows. (laughs) So to make matters worse, my dad drives by and he pulls into the parking lot and he's like, you boys are going to church. So the police were like, Hey, this guy's going to kill these kids. So let him have them. And he took us to church. There was a youth event at church that night. And we met the new youth pastor at our church. His name was Phil. And Phil was different from the previous youth leaders I'd experienced who just wanted to yell at us and tell us we were yahoos for doing all the goofy things that we were doing in our lives. But Phil spoke into us. Phil told us what we could do to make an impact in this world. And he saw the good in us and he pointed that out. He told us the things that he could see in us that could be used for God. In fact, over the years, I think I've lost count of the number of Phil's students that have gone into full-time ministry as pastors, youth pastors, missionaries, all sorts of stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you more about Phil and Tim later, but suffice it to say for now that Phil was not just a hero, but Phil was a hero maker because of the way he invested in people. And for those of you that are coming for the first time, Today, we're in the midst of a series by that title, Hero Maker, and we got that language from a book written by Dave Ferguson called Hero Maker. Um, In fact, Dave found out we were doing a series here at City Church. He wanted to give us a friendly shout out, and so we brought that video to show you today. Go ahead and take a look. Hey, City Church in downtown San Antonio. I am so excited that you guys are doing a Hero Maker series. That is awesome. Awesome. And I hear that you are starting to dream big, dream big, and you're actually filling out dream napkins. So what I'd love for you to do, I'd love for you to post your dream napkin. So go ahead and just post it somewhere so we can see it. Uh, And you can go ahead and hashtag, what would the hashtag be? City Church Downtown. So CCDT dream napkins. Hashtag CCDT dream napkins. I think God's gonna do big things through you as you dream big, and eventually we're gonna start talking about starting small. But just let's start with dreaming big. Go get them. That's pretty cool, huh? Author of the book, shout out to our church. We'll give him some of the city church karma for doing that. But what we did last week, as Dave was saying, was is that we encourage you guys to draw out what's called your dream napkin. Uh, where you draw out on just a napkin, the ways that you'd like to impact the world through your career, uh, through your volunteer ministries or through your ministries, whatever uh, you're endeavoring to do. Because what we learned last week is that hero makers are not just those who try and gain followers for themselves, but invest in others so that those others will gain followers for Jesus and the kingdom of God. And this is really illustrated in the Coach Popovich coaching tree, those of you that follow basketball like I do, uh, you love to see that Coach Pop isn't just making an impact in San Antonio with the Spurs, but he makes an impact on the entire NBA uh, and in college basketball as well because of all the many people that he's trained so that they could too make an impact as coaches. Well, there are five practices of Hero Makers that we're going to study um, um, throughout this series. And remember last week, we talked about multiplication thinking. If you weren't here, uh, we uh, we talked about how through your dreams, you're, you're encouraged to dream bigger. And if you'd like to go back and listen to that podcast, that would probably be helpful uh, if you weren't here. But this week, we're going to drill down on what's called permission giving. And those as hero makers that are giving permission, do so with this simple statement. It's the I see in you statement. I see in you. It's like you see something in someone. Would you turn to your neighbor real quick and just say to them, I see in you something good. Somebody just got a date today. You know? Uh, So being a permission giver is all about remembering who changed your life when he or she saw something in you. It's also about that person's life that you changed when you saw something in them and you pointed it out. And it's also about whose life you're going to change in the future when you see something in them that's admirable. Uh, so, here are some other ways that you can say it. It's like this I see in you someone who could be a great tribe leader or class leader at church or someone who could be a pastor or go into the ministry someday. Or you might also say it like this, I see in you the gift of entrepreneurship. Like if you were to start a business, I know that it would work out. Or uh, I see in you the gift of being an artist or an educator. I mean, if you were to go into education, you could really make an impact on uh, students' lives. Or I see God at work when you serve the poor or when you help people get in shape or when you teach the Bible, all of these things, you're looking for the good in people, the ways that they can make an impact. Now, look, I see in you is not just that cheesy motivational speaker that says something that's really hollow and meaningless. You know, it's like Shia LaBeouf, you know, says, You can do it. You know, it's not like that. Because, you know, he doesn't know you. I mean, you can't speak into me because you don't know me. And also, I see in you is certainly not flattery. Have you ever had someone flatter you and it really kind of falls on deaf ears? You don't really listen to people who flatter you. Um, but have you noticed that you lean into the feedback that you receive from people who are willing to tell you the truth and not always tell you what you want to hear about your life and your skills and all of that? Well, being an ICNU permission giver is not just telling people what they want to hear, but it's telling them the truth about what you Uh, notice in their lives. And Jesus was certainly the greatest permission giver that ever lived. In fact, Jesus would have trained his young disciples in the first century uh, Jewish rabbi model. So that would mean that most of Jesus' disciples would have been perhaps teenagers, younger people, maybe a couple of older guys sprinkled in there, like Peter may have been there to be kind of like a role model to the younger ones in the group. And that's why we're going to continue to keep an emphasis on student ministry and children's ministry here at City Church, because our students are not the church of the future, they're the church of today. And we want to continue to invest in them. Uh, but according to biblical backgrounds expert, Ray Vanderlaan, uh, he explains the system or the process that Jewish young people would go through in their education. And the first step would have been what's called Bet Sefer. That's ages 4, through 12. And during Beth Sefer, a young Jewish person would have memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, but then the next phase of their education would be called, called uh, Bet Midrash. And what that is where they're memorizing the rest of the Old Testament and they're learning to interpret it. And so after you get through uh, this part of your education as a Jewish kid, then you can go to higher learning or like what we couldn't consider to be like college and you could go apply to a rabbi. Uh, you didn't like apply to an institution, you applied to a person and you would follow that person around all the time and learn from that particular rabbi and the application process would go something like this. You would approach this learned man and you would say, sir, I perceive that you are a very wise man Can I be your Talmud? Talmud, by the way, that means disciple. It's that person that you're following around all the time. Um, May I be your Talmud? And then he would say something like this. Well, why don't you quote for me? He's testing you, right? Why don't you quote for me Deuteronomy? Not like one verse from Deuteronomy, but the whole book of Deuteronomy. Well, to a Jewish kid, he would say, hey, I learned that when I was in the fourth grade. So he would quote the whole book of Deuteronomy. And then the rabbi would ratchet things up just a notch, and he might say, well, could you tell me the 17 times that the prophet Amos uses the book of Deuteronomy as the basis for his prophetic word? And that kid goes one through 15, but he can't remember the last two. And the rabbi would look at him and say, son, You're a young man of God. You have a great heart for God. Fishing is a noble trade. Go and fish. And that kid would put his head down and walk away in disappointment, you know, much like the disappointment that kids have today when they don't get into the college that they want. But then the kid realizes, you know, not everybody can study with the great rabbis. And I gave it a shot. I didn't make it. And so now I'm going to go do the family trade. I'm going to learn to fish. And one of the things that you got to understand about Jesus is he kind of messed with the model a little bit. He didn't just have disciples that would come to him to want to learn from him, but he actually went to the kids to invite them to come and follow him. And so I want you to keep all that background in mind as we look at the story of Zebedee's boys while they're tending their nets. And we're going to check in with that story in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Look at it with me. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, let me ask you this question. Why is it That these guys, Peter, Andrew, James, and John are already fishing. Well, could it be that they've already applied to one of the rabbis to study and they didn't make it? These guys are the C students. They're the B team. They're the JV. They were already in their trades. And Jesus comes to them and says, I see in you that you can be like me. Come follow me. And I used to think that they were making a big sacrifice to leave the family business, to go and follow Jesus. But what I've come to understand is it was an opportunity they couldn't refuse. It's like someone coming to you uh, uh, when you're working at Taco Bell and saying, I want you to go study at Harvard, see? And I also thought about Zebedee because this is a guy that just lost his workforce, and perhaps he's thinking to himself, you know, what I, the way I used to think is that Zebedee's pretty bent, you know. It's like, hey, why are my kids going to follow this hippie, you know, to go feed people around the Holy Land uh, when I need them to work here in the family business? But I think the contrary is true. I can picture Zebedee at the local coffee shop, you know, with all of his cronies saying, hey, you know, my boys, they're studying with a great rabbi. Because they are muy inteligente, like their father before them, see. These are my boys. And he's proud because he realizes the opportunity that it is to study with one of the great rabbis, let alone the greatest rabbi who ever lived in uh, Jesus of Nazareth. So when you look at these passages like John 15, 16, where Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. I used to think that was all about predestination. But I don't think it's about that at all. I think that's when Jesus is saying to his young disciples, hey, look, don't you ever say you can't be like me because I chose you. You can do it. I see in you someone who can be like me. And Jesus modeled this permission giving throughout his ministry and development of his disciples. So it's like instead of feeding everyone himself, you know what he said? He said, you guys go feed them. Instead of casting out all the demons himself, Jesus said, why don't you go cast them out? Instead of taking the gospel to everyone himself, he could have been effective at it, right? He said, why don't you guys take the gospel to other people? Because he was an empowerer. He was a hero maker, not just the hero. And isn't our natural inclination when someone's younger or when someone's newer at the company or someone's new at the school or whatever uh, we're a part of... And they want to grow and learn our inclination is to say, no, you're not ready. But if you want to be a hero maker, you have to learn to say, yes, I see in you someone that can change the world, and I want to help develop you. It doesn't mean that you put people in responsibilities too soon that they're not ready for, but it means you encourage them and you say yes instead of no. Now, fast forward many years to a more spiritually mature Peter. This is a long ways from the fishing boat, and Peter is training and instructing a group of irreligious, unchurched kind of Gentile people along with some Jewish converts in Asia Minor. And look at what he says to them in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race. See what he's doing there? You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is Peter being a, a permission giver and saying to a group of people that didn't think that they could do it, "I see in you a group of people who are royal priests. Would you turn to someone next to year real quick, even if you're in the video cap and tell them, "You're a royal priest, not your royal pain. You're a royal priest." Go ahead. <laughs> now, look at the next thing he does is that he's recognizing specific gifts in people. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Those of you that are teachers or that do any type of public speaking or speaking in small groups, can you imagine if someone came to you and said, you can speak and do it like you're bringing the oracles of God, you know? That's pretty powerful. And then he says, whoever serves... See, some of you are better at the the behind-the-scenes kind of things or uh, what others would consider menial, but you're just good at it. It fills you. And And he recognizes that in some people, and he says, if you serve, serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belongs the glory, dominion forever and ever amen. So Peter says to this group of people, hey, I see in you the specific gifts that God by his spirit has given to you. So turn to someone next to you and tell them, I see the gifts in you. Go ahead. So this is Peter's development. He was trained by an I see in you person in Jesus, and now he was exercising the I see in you to other people that he's bringing up. But I want to rewind in Peter's life just for a minute to when he was still being trained and when Jesus was still developing him. And in this story, we find Peter in a boat and he sees Jesus just walking around on the water like you do. And he wants to be with his rabbi because every disciple wants to be wherever the rabbi is. In fact, if you would see a group of these disciples following the rabbi around the Holy Land, you would see them almost bumping into the rabbi because they always wanted to be where the rabbi was. That always wanted to be with them. And so Peter wants to go out there. And of course, Jesus knows that Peter wants to go out there. So let's check in on that story in Matthew chapter 14. I believe it's verse 29. Come, he said, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And so think about just for a minute. Put yourself in Peter's shoes, you know, or his sandals. You're walking on water, and that doesn't make sense with reality as we know it. But also, you have to kind of understand the first century Jewish mindset that they believe that the deep water is the abyss where the devil lives. That's why when Jesus cast demons out of those pigs, he cast the demons into the pigs, uh, and the pigs would run off a cliff into the water right because that's where the devil is. So not only is it weird to walk on water, but if I sink down into this water, I'm going to be down there where the devil is. See, in the abyss. And so he sees the wind, he's freaking out and he cries out to Jesus to help him when he's sinking down. And look at what happened next in Matthew 14:31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, "You have little faith," he said. Why did you doubt? Now, I don't think that Jesus was chiding Peter, saying, oh, your faith sucks so bad, you little faith. I think he's saying, no, mijo, little one, little faith. It's okay. (laughs) But little one, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Now, what or who is Peter doubting? You think Peter's doubting Jesus? Jesus is doing just fine on the water. If Jesus wants to do jumping jacks on top of the water, he's going to be just fine. I think Peter is doubting Peter, isn't he? And perhaps part of the message of this story for you and I is not so much that we know we have to have faith in Jesus to walk on the water. We all know that. That's obvious. But I think part of the truth in this story is that Jesus has faith in you to walk in the water. When he calls you out, you can do what he calls you to do. And, you know, if Jesus has faith in people, then you and I, with confidence, can look into the eyes of people that we see potential in, and we can say, I see in you someone who can make a huge impact for the kingdom of God and the things of God to help hurting people. And there are people out there that need you. I see this in you. Now, I want you to think just for a minute about someone in your life right now. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone in your family. Perhaps it's someone younger and not as experienced as you. Or uh, maybe it's someone your age that you've recognized some potential in. And I want you to message them today and tell them, I see something in you. I see in you. And look, You know that if you go to brunch after service, you're going to get to drinking those mimosas. You're going to totally forget everything I said. It's going to make me feel so bad about myself, you know. But look, that's why I want you guys to really do this. Maybe you post on their social media and you put the hashtag on there, I see in you. Because you want to encourage someone that you see something in them that they can be like you. Some of you are going to be mentoring others at work. Others of you are going to be mentoring people in spiritual things and the like, but let someone know I see in you. And isn't it also appropriate for you and I to honor people who have seen something in us? Never forget those that made you into the hero Think about that person. Maybe they didn't use those exact words, I see in you, but they gave you an opportunity. They built a platform on which you stand today. They saw something in you, and I think it's appropriate for us to honor them. Maybe you post a picture or send them a text or a message or an email or uh, something on their wall on Facebook and hashtag it #HeroMaker because someone gave you the opportunities that you have today, and I think it's appropriate for us to honor them. Well, remember earlier I told you about my friend Tim, my fire extinguisher buddy, (laughs) and that night we met the youth pastor named Phil. I wanted to honor Phil today. I brought a picture of Phil. Um, Phil just visited San Antonio recently, and he's still making heroes. Uh, There's so many people that he's sending and training to be in the ministry. In this picture, you can see uh, Phil's family, his wife, his son, Ryan, and We had a good time together uh, this summer, reminiscing about all the good times. But another thing that brought us together this summer was mourning, we mourned together. uh, Because my friend Tim that I told you about earlier in the fire extinguisher thing passed away from Lyme disease. And what I didn't tell you about Tim was that after Phil discipled him, he became a great Bible scholar And theologian. In fact, when Tim was in in college, he was so brilliant that they would send him to other universities to debate with college professors about the existence of God and he would win. He was a brilliant man. He got his PhD in theology. Um, He became a hospital chaplain, a pastor teacher. Uh, He was one of the elders for the village church in Dallas, Matt Chandler, Matt Chandler's Church. And uh, though Tim and I were peers growing up, he quickly became my teacher and a mentor to me. And when we were young, he constantly poured into me and taught me theology and encouraged me in the things of God and in the Bible. And I'll never forget when Tim and his awesome wife, Lynn, came and brought their kids to a camp where I was teaching You know, I was supposed to be teaching the kids, but I couldn't help but think about what Tim thought about my talk. And after the talk was over, he spoke into me in a way that only Tim could do. And he said, Doug, I'm so glad that my kids got to sit under your teaching. And that just filled my love tank. And so I mourned this past summer when he passed. And it really broke my heart because of the great man of God that Tim was, a good friend and mentor to me. And so I went to his Facebook page to look at all the things that his disciples said about him in his passing. And I wanted to show you some of those thoughts. One said, Tim taught us how to love others better and that love is the most important thing to consider to wrap everything we do in it. Tim poured out his life to see so many of us young men know and love Jesus and live for God's glory above all. I had so much to learn, yet you encouraged me, Tim. In my meager efforts, never micromanaging or demanding more from me, you simply trusted God would and could use me. Thank you for not requiring perfection from me, but instead believing in his bigger plans for me and allowing me a safe place in grace to grow. Thank you for giving me a chance to be used by God even while lacking a seminary degree to show me that I could be used in my smallness and in my weakness. I'll never forget that lifelong lesson and gracious humility that you always showed us. God uses weak things. And these things were written about my dear friend Tim because he was not just a hero, but he was a hero maker. And I want you to think about just for a minute, what are people gonna write about you? Whether it's on social media or whatever the thing is on the day of your passing, what are people gonna write about you on that day? And more importantly, what is God gonna say and write about you? At the time of your passing, were you faithful with the gifts that he gave you to steward to further his kingdom in this life? And today, some of you come needing a word from God about your life and future. So that's why the band's going to play. We're going to open up the front for you to literally walk down and kneel and pray. If you're comfortable to do so, you can do that here in the theater. If you're worshiping the video cafe, there are rugs there. You can walk down there as well and kneel and pray. And if you'd be open to one of our prayer leaders, like speaking a word into your ear, just put your hand out like this when you come to kneel and pray. And so let's stand up together and worship. And as you're prompted by the Spirit, come kneel and pray to receive from the Lord. Thank you. We thank you for that firm foundation that you've provided for us that we could experience salvation. And God, I can't help but think that you brought someone here today to perhaps draw them into love relationship with you. And if that's you, and you would like to begin a relationship with God today that you've just never had and you feel drawn to Him, perhaps you'd want to pray something to God right now, just in your own heart and mind between you and God right now. Just say something like this: look, God. I know I've sinned, I've screwed up. But right now, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I welcome you into my life. And as we continue in prayer, there are many others of us that are thinking of someone that we're supposed to pour our lives into in an I see in you conversation. And so Lord, bring them to their to our hearts and our heads and empower us with the ability to discern gifts and strengths so that we can affirm others, say yes, and encourage them into the great work of the great kingdom of love that you're building here on the earth. We thank you for what you're doing among us and we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.